The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more high-quality podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hey, what's up? This is Jim Mafood, a.k.a. Food One, creator of the Girl Scouts, artist of Tank Girl, Miami Vice Remix, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Down like good. Listen, embrace it, shirtless bomb. You haven't lived until you've seen it. Shut up, Joe Patrick! Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to TH Anything Goes! Episode 235, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, December 8th. 9th. 9th. My name is Matt Baum, that's Matt Baum, seen on the Twitter, and when I'm not pickling gefilte fish and stealing all of Joe Patrick's gelt, I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, that's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter, and when I'm not putting on my Rudolph Yarmulke and lighting the menorah, I'm longing for the days of my job as the former manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. In this week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of The Violent, number one. Yeah, it was violent. You have to say it like that. You know, and New Romancer, number one. After that, Joe and I will review ten more of this week's comics with little help from a living dreidel during the ludicrous speed round. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're hosting a Hanukkah feast with some of our fellow heebs and talking about next week's comics. And finally... I don't understand all this racial talk. <laughs> we're playing... Ask a nerd! Am I a heap? Where we delve deep into one lucky listener's thought-provoking question. Folks, I'm gonna warn ya. It's that holiday time of year again. Which means we're baking cookies in the other room and drinking Manischewitz. That's right! It's time for the annual Hanukkah Drunk Show! Let's cheers to you and yours! Chin-chin! And then... Ooh! We can talk about... <laughs> this one's big news! love Valiant. I love Valiant. You love Valiant almost anyone, more than almost anyone I know, other than Carl Smith. Oh yeah, Carl Smith loves Valiant? Oh, he loves it. Okay. Did you know that they Valiant has announced their 2016 crossover event? It's called 4001 AD! And it kicks off in May 2016. 4001 AD centers on Rye. Exploring the character's origins and the dark implications of his place in the far-flung future. It's written by Matt Kent with art by Clayton Crane. Love those dudes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The event is designed as an entry point for new readers. And will guest star Valiant mainstays such as Eternal Warrior, Exo Manowar, Bloodshot, <laughs> Exo Manure, Exo Manure, <laughs> and the Geomancer. I thought she died. Is there a new Geomancer? Just... There's the new Geo. She's like a little. Uh, when one dies, another one pops up. She's like a little Asian girl, right? The Every time a Geomancer dies, Geomancer. another one pops up. Like there is always a Geomancer. Yeah. 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 You're the Ziggurat's foremost valiant expert. Are you excited to get this look at the future? I am excited. I'm definitely excited. 4001 has always been very important to the valiant universe, but 
now we're finally going to be pulled back to reveal the true scale of the world and like how weird it is the cast of everything there valiant editor-in-chief warren simmons said matt kent and clayton crane have pushed themselves to design a story that is positively brimming with crazy mad energy continent-sized ideas and unthinkable potential that's a big idea from cosmic beings and sentient cities to post-apocalyptic warrior kings and cybernetic samurai 4001 ad will see the valiant heroes pushed Beyond the threshold and into territory far beyond anything we've attempted before. It's going to be completely nuts. Valiant CEO and Chief Creative Officer Dinesh, and I apologize Shem for Dasani. Shem Dasani added that the event is, quote, a James Cameron meets Jack Kirby vision of Valiant's future. Hopefully Here's the thing. it's more like Terminator 1 James Cameron yeah, yeah, and yeah. not... Aliens, James Terminator Cameron. 3 James Cameron. And not Avatar, James Cameron. Oh, no. Okay. James Cameron did not direct Terminator 3. 4001 has been really important to the Rye storyline, and Rye has been great. I love it. I have and now it. they're going to connect the future to the past. 4001 is going to kick off with their free comic book day offering in May, which also includes previews of Archer and Armstrong, The Adventures of Archer and Armstrong by Raffer Roberts and David Lofuente, and Divinity 2 by Matt Kent oh, and I Trevor love Divinity. Divinity 1. I can't great. wait for more Divinity. It was so good. I, I'm super excited for this. I'm telling you guys, start reading Valiant comics. They're, they're literally not doing anything wrong. They're killing it. And if Joe Patrick would ever catch up, he would agree. I'm so far behind on every Valiant book that I don't know if I can catch up. But no, the beauty of Valiant is they keep reintroducing I do check universe. in with like new books. Like I read all of Divinity. I loved it. It was great. Um, I read Book of Death number one. I did not read the rest of all oh, The Book of Death stuff has been so good. <laughs> In Hollywood news, Deadline reports that Idris Elba is the frontrunner for the role of lead protagonist Roland Deschain in the film adaptation of Stephen King's novel series, The Dark, the Dark Tower. Tower. Yeah, sorry. The article states, no deal is done and no one involved would comment on the story. I think this does mean we're not going to see a black James Bond anytime soon, though. <laughs> yeah, well. Elba is best known for his work in the BBC show Luther, which I love. Luther is great. It's and so good. his role as Heimdall in the Thor films. He's also been in the news lately due to rumors of him becoming the next James Bond. It doesn't sound like it's happening, though. That's because peeps be racist. Playing the gunslinger would place Elba at the forefront of what Sony Pictures is hoping will be a multi-film franchise. Matthew McConaughey is currently in talks to play the man in black, the series' main villain. Joe Patrick, this is due to release January 13th, 2017. Do you know anything about the gunslinger outside of the comics that Marvel put out no. a few years back. <laughs> no, no, no. I, but they're still making Dark Tower comics. Like, yeah, even now. it's still coming out. I have read some Dark Tower comics. Um, I know from talking to people that Dark Tower is super bonkers. They're excellent. The it Dark is, Tower comics are excellent. The ones that Jay Lee did were beautiful. The Dark Tower apparently is this sort of bridging narrative that ties together every Stephen King story ever. Yes. And I didn't know that. Yeah. And I didn't get that from the few Dark Tower books I read. But I do know that when Dark Tower launched, it was this sort of weird fantasy Western thing. And then when I finally got around to reading them, it was like a 1950s noirish thing. And I was like, well, what's happened? How it, does that? It jumps all over the place. How does that work? All over the place. I'm super into Idris Elba doing anything, like being the lead guy in anything. Oh, absolutely. He's so good. Make him so the new good. James Bond. I don't give a shit. But here's the thing. A story like The Dark Tower is so big and so involved that I just, I don't know that a movie property is the right place for this. 
I would like to see this done as a series, like a television series where we can get, mm. where we can really dig into the Dark Tower. Well, I like mean, they said, they are hoping for it to be like a multiple film franchise. And I get that. I get that. But I just don't know if it's going to work like Lord of the Rings worked. I mean, we'll see. I do love that they've got Elba attached to this. I hope he's the guy. He'd be perfect. I want him to be the guy. I love Idris Elba. I love him. Everything's going wrong and everybody wants to kill you for something. Speaking of movies, <laughs> the first trailers for both X-Men Apocalypse and The Legend of Tarzan dropped this week. X-Men Apocalypse is the latest film in the first class series of films directed by Brian Singer and starring all of the usual suspects. Fastbender. Get it? Usual suspects. Brian Singer. Usual suspects. Thank yeah. You. Uh, you got your Michael Fastbender. You got your James McAvoy. Whoever the hell they are. Also, Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse. Olivia Munn as Psylocke. The dude from Quicksilver yeah. is back. The dude from Quicksilver or uh, the, the dude that the played dude that Quicksilver? The dude that played Quicksilver is back. <laughs> The Legend of Tarzan is directed by David Yates. He made a bunch of Harry Potter films, the last few. Good ones. It stars Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood as Lord Greystoke, Margot Robbie as Jane, Christoph Waltz, Samuel L. Jackson, Jaimon Hansu. This is loaded. It's star-studded, you could say. It is star-studded. Let's dig into him, Matt. I know you're a huge Tarzan fan. I don't give a about Tarzan. But when I heard that uh, Johnny Weissmuller scream in that trailer, my whole body seized up with chills. So let's go reverse order. Start with Tarzan. Okay, I love Tarzan. Yeah. He is one of he is arguably my favorite fictional character. I do not understand why we haven't had a good Tarzan movie. You mean you didn't like the Casper Van Dien Tarzan oh, movie? No, I'm talking it's been since Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan. It's been that long since we've had an even and that movie wasn't even great. It was just good. And I love the old Dark Horse Tarzan comics. Tarzan versus Predator. Laugh about it all you want. Awesome. There's a Tarzan versus Predator? Lee, oh, you mean in the comics? Yeah. Lee Weeks did it. And it was awesome. I do love Lee Weeks. I watched this trailer. And of course, trailers are made to give us a nerd boner and freak out. I screamed out loud in the end. I cannot wait for this. X-Men First Class. I've heard a lot of people bitching about how apocalypse looks he looked better in the trailer like in action he looked better i think apocalypse looks awesome i i thought oscar isaac looks incredible as apocalypse in this and the scene with the giant apocalypse yeah where he got real like, big reaching down to yeah, grab that the was awesome Oscar, that was kick ass you got young cyclops in there you got young gene gray in there and i love that this is totally bonkers they're just saying look the X-Men goes to really weird places. Everybody sit down and hold the f*** on. This is going to get weird. They talked about like uh, the four horsemen of apocalypse. Yes. And they made it very, very clear in the trailer that the four horsemen of the apocalypse in this movie are Storm, Archangel. I don't recall. And someone else. Psylocke. <laughs> oh, Magneto. Yeah. Magneto, Psylocke, Storm, and um, Archangel. Right. I, I thought Storm looked pretty cool. I thought young Storm looks great. Young Cyclops uh, looks really good. I mean, like, young Cyclops just looks like a kid with red glasses. But on, regardless, but he took the glasses off and bang. And I was like, yeah. yes, uh, that's what I want to see. I, I am very excited by this. this I, I cool. think it looks great. I think that it's very interesting to note that there was no sign of Wolverine. Now, Hugh Jackman did say 
that he showed up for some principal photography after they were done filming a lot of stuff. So he is going to pop up in this, but I don't think Wolverine is a major character is a in this main, film. Is a main I think guy. this is the first X-Men film that does not star Wolverine. Well, you know what? It had to happen someday. Yeah, it had to happen. Now, but I also think they are still making Wolverine three, though. Right. I think it's interesting they don't introduce young Wolverine in this. I thought that was an interesting choice. Why would they introduce young Wolverine? He was already Hugh Jackman in the seventies in the last movie. No, I know, but I mean, like, uh, well, I don't know. I guess that's right. They, the thing that's important here, and everyone's like freaking out, like, well, they met Storm in like the first X Men movie. Doesn't make any sense. What you're not paying attention to is Days of the Future Past completely rewrote everything. Also, they didn't just meet Storm. Storm was already an established X Man by the time the first movie hit. Yes. So this changes everything. This and all bets are off. I think it looks all bets are off. Totally bonkers, and I think it looks awesome. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for that movie. Super excited. Uh, X Men First Class. People love it. I watched it and it was and it's like it's okay. It's okay. First Class was a movie I went into expecting to hate, and I walked out saying, you know what? I don't hate it. That was not half bad. Right. I was totally impressed. Right. It, it was not the X-Men movie that I really wanted to see that I needed, but I will say I enjoyed the hell out of it. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Tales Xavier. Go f*** yourself. Here's a report from Newsarama. According to comic book writer Scott Snyder, DC Comics is annexing a college course of his creation into a new in-house program to groom potential new writers for the publisher. That sentence was very complex. Basically, the gist of it is Scott Snyder, who is best known as writer of Batman, is actually a writing teacher for Columbia University and Sarah Lawrence College, and he's been doing it for over a decade. James Tinney and the Fourth, Marguerite Bennett, both former students. Yeah, they all came out of there. We're going to talk so, about Marguerite Bennett in a little bit here. Yeah. So DC is essentially taking that program that Snyder did at the college and adapting it for their own use to find and cultivate new writing talent. Snyder said, quote, DC's new program is the exact same class that James and Marguerite took. That's what I'm looking forward to teaching. High stakes. How to make a story personal. It has to be about you. If you have one chance to tell a story about this character, you have to put it all out there on the table. You're going to get six issues and then you'll never get to write this character again. How can I help you do that? As a writer, a trial run season of DC's program is scheduled to happen sometime around the new year, according to Snyder, although it appears to be an invite only program to start with DC specifically selecting participants from both in and outside the comic book industry. Snyder said future sessions could have a more public application process. Quote, I'd really hope it can become something that has more of a public entry point to it. But again, I'm following DC's lead, said uh, the writer. If it's them picking people for reasons I'm not comfortable with, then I won't do it. This time around, though, it's something exciting, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. This is cool. It is kind of cool. This is really cool. And it's sort of like the, remember the old, like, Marvel talent search? Where they like sent out the books and they're like, draw this picture. Uh, <laughs> like, you're talking about the Marvel tryout book. Yeah. Remember that stuff? Yeah. This Mark Bagley was the winner of the original yeah. Marvel tryout book. And, uh, you know, he went on to be Mark Bagley. I, this is very cool. He went on to do Mark Bagley things. Yeah. this, But I, I think it's interesting. But it also may be an act of desperation on DC's part. No, no. I think I'm, I'm choosing saying, to look at it in a positive way. Like DC fair wants to wants to open the door to new talent. And that's the only way 
Yeah. They're going to be able to keep their edge. Quite possibly. Their market share is way down. Who the f*** else do they have? Yeah, that's just it. Their market share is way down. And I think these creators that are coming up that are doing a great job are getting plucked by Marvel because it seems like Marvel seems to have been a much more fertile place for these young creators to work, to do the things they want to do. Whereas DC has been, as we've often said, has had the appearance of being very strict and editorial controlling a lot of stuff. If this brings in some new voices to change things up, that's great. I hope they actually let them do it I and agree. not bring them in and say, okay, Tom King, for example, who we talked about mm. extensively last week. Yeah, Tom King at Marvel versus Tom King at DC. Two totes different guys. But not even that. Tom King at DC and Tom King at Vertigo. Two completely different guys. Yeah. We loved Sheriff of Babylon. We hated the Robin War. And that's an example of their heavy-handed editorial coming down on a guy in their superhero universe and then letting him do whatever he wants in the Vertigo universe. I want this to work. I hope that it works. And I'm cautiously optimistic that it will. <laughs> I guess well, is where I'm at. Okay, but hot on the I don't trust them. Yeah. Hot on the heels of this news came a rumor from Bleeding Cool stating that DC might be looking for replacements for Scott Snyder and his longtime Batman collaborator, Greg Capullo. I don't find it hard to believe. I, I really don't. It's been five years. It's it, been five years. Is it time for these guys to move on? Snyder's been there. Batman is, still sells very well. His Batman is still, I believe, in the top 10 every month. Is it DC's number one seller? Yes. I think it's got to be. It is. Absolutely. So according to the rumor, DC has been making inquiries of certain writers and artists as to whether or not they may be interested in working on the monthly title, the Batman title, including a number of Marvel creators currently on exclusive contracts. Which is kind of Scandalous. Yeah, but not the first time that's happened. Scandalo. All the Sure, Marvel, I'm sure, does it too. Yeah. Uh, it was announced a while ago that Capullo would be taking a short break from the title to work on creator own project with Mark Miller, and the duo have publicly discussed the idea of moving on to something, quote-unquote, bigger and better when Capullo returns. Now, this could just be DC planning for the future. There's no real news that they're moving on. Calling my shot. Snyder, Capullo, Superman. That's our next project. I would love it. Uh, whatever happens, it doesn't look like Snyder or Carpullo have plans to leave the publisher altogether. No. They want them, they're going to ask them to reinvent Superman right before the Superman movie comes out. Please do. You watch. That's what's going to happen there. And I get it. I, I don't think they like want to leave Batman or they're tired of I think it's just like, well, look, we've done what we wanted to do, and it's time for us to do something else. Yeah. And we want to take on the main guy. We want to do Superman. I guarantee that's what's going on. That's it. Now, as to who replaces them, I have no idea. Who do you get to write Batman? I don't know. I don't know. I have the giggles all of a sudden. Well, cast it right now. I'm Dream bad. casting. I'm bad at this. Anybody. And I've been drinking for Anyone. literally the last four and a half hours. You know who I want to do Batman? Tom King. I want Brian Michael Bendis to write Batman. He's not going to do it. He's Marvel exclusive. I understand that. But they're going after Marvel. I and mean, we're saying dream casting. I want to see... Brian Michael Bendis. I don't want to see Marvel. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis write Batman. Are I you do. nuts? I absolutely want to. A lot of Batman standing around being silent saying, um, no. no thanks. I want to see psychopath Batman interacting with all these other people. I don't want people. psychopath Batman. He is a psychopath. He already is. He's crazy. Bendis would kill this. He would 
absolutely slay here. No, dude. Oh, man. No. I would love to see Bendis' Batman. Then I'm saying it's got to be somebody new with a new voice that hasn't been on it before. Yeah. I think Tom King is a very exciting new writer. I think so, too. I think, But they need to let him have his room. But I need, yes, right. I need Don't him to be allowed to do what he does. Yes. Don't. Uh, editorially drive the book into the ground like with Robin War that thing was a piece of shit. terrible and as much as I've enjoyed Snyder I do agree that some of his storylines have been a little over long yeah and it's just time for them, those guys to move on that is the big news for this week if you'd like to discuss these stories or everything you think we missed Hit us up on the THN forum where I have posted some actually delicious Manischewitz cocktails. One of which is called the Meshuggah. Ooh, little gin, little Manischewitz. Don't spoil it. A tap. Okay, you're right, you're right. Go to the forums. Go to the forums for this. But I'll tell you what, it'll make your Manischewitz sing. Every week, the mensch that is Joe Patrick posts... The question I'm of the week mensch. on the THN forums. Joe Patrick, what are we asking the nerds this week? This week's question comes from the Goocher. He's Black Scorpion the Three, if you don't know. Who writes, Ronda Rousey lost. Yeah. And while the world acknowledges an upset, quote unquote, the contender, Holly Holm, was really just an effective boxer that everyone dismissed. She kicked her ass. It makes me think of the upsets and the underrated in comic battles. There are a number of times when writers finally realized the potential of an underutilized power. What's your favorite underdog comic battle story? I've got mine already. I already have mine. I know exactly what. You have until 5 o'clock Central Time this coming Friday, December 11 plus 7. 18th. There you go. To get us your answer. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> you can call and leave. <laughs> you can call and leave a message using Skype. The Skype panel's two headed nerd, all one word, or call the Ziggurat hotline. Wow. 402 819 4894. If you're feeling tipsy, you can send an MP3 to two headed nerd at gmail.com. Whatever you do, keep it under two minutes. You know the drill by now. You'll get cut off. If you need more time than that, you feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums. And then tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN answer of the week podcast. It is our favorite show. It is. the. We only tolerate the review show so yeah. we can get to the answer of the week. Literally. It's review time in the ziggurat where Matt and I read and discuss two of this week's comics and rate them. On our buy it, skim it, or leave it scale. Why did you decide to write that in like a... Because, I don't know, we haven't refreshed that scale for quite a while. There's new listeners. <laughs> if this is your first episode, I am very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, let's pretend we've done this before, shall we? This week, I am reviewing New Romancer, number one, from DC slash Vertigo, written by Peter Milligan with art by Brett Parson. This is the latest title in the Vertigo Renaissance, and it comes with a concept that could only work at Vertigo. Lexi, who was experimented on as a child by her computer programmer father, like you do, who is now in prison, yep. is a down-on-her-luck coder who had her shot at a huge tech company, but was fired and is now trying to revamp a failing online dating service named 
new romancer. Lexi has been working on a code to bring lonely romantics together and creating fake profiles based on her favorite romantic poets of the past. It is a fun idea. And the art by Brent Parson is outstanding. More on that in a minute. But Mulligan is asking the reader to make some serious leaps in logic here. There are so many moving parts to the story that none of them seem to come together without the sheer force of the bizarre plot. The evil Microsoft analog that fired Lexi is using the code she started writing and doing something with bodies. I'm not sure if they were living or dead. Lexi is working clear across town writing code and seems to actually contact the ghosts of her favorite poets. And then there's an explosion. And then the poets are transplanted in the bodies of the evil company and they come to life. Basically because of wacky computer stuff, I guess. From there, Lexi decides to break into her ex-workplace for reasons, I'm sure, where she meets Lord Byron. Something, something algorithm. Yeah, walking around spouting poetry, not being terrified at all that he's been transplanted to a completely unrecognizable future, just, you know, waxing poetic. From there, more plot-forcing wackiness finds Byron at a modern dance club with a generic hot chick that roofies his drink and says some very suggestive things to him. There's just too much going on here to cling to. Any of it. And in between the Archie-esque quips, Milligan is dropping line after line of romantic poetry. And don't get me wrong, Milligan is a very intelligent writer, and I have loved his stuff in the past. But this just did not work at all. Brett Parson brings a very fun and, again, almost Archie-esque look to the comic that definitely worked to give the story the absurdist comedy feel it was going for. Unfortunately, the forced plot and the myriad of story points left me wondering what tone Milligan was going for and where the f*** this story was supposed to go. New Romancer was clever at best, but it was unfunny and confusing at hell. I'm giving this a skim it because obviously it took a lot of research to write something like this. And Brent Parson is a hell of an artist. This is very well drawn, but man... I don't want to read any more of this. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving it a skim it as well because, you know, and not every concept is for us. It's almost too high concept. It's, but you know what? It feels right at home at Vertigo. I feel like there have been. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Nonsense books like this at Vertigo in the past. It's not that it's bad. It is super complicated. There's a lot of moving parts. Milligan is that sort of writer, though. He is. It didn't work for me either. I did think it was well executed. It, I did yes. like the art. I agree. Which is why it gets a skim it. And, you know, that's just part of comics, man. Sometimes you have to recognize, eh, you know what? It's fine. It's not my cup of tea. Right. If you love it, good for you. I don't really dig it. I probably won't read more. It's a skim it. Joe Patrick, let's get violent in here. Tell me what you read this <laughs> week. Let's get violent. I'm reviewing The Violent Number 1 from Image Comics, written by Ed Brisson, with art by Adam Gorham. It's 32 pages for $2.99. Here's your solicit. Meet Mason, an ex-con and former drug addict who's trying hard to give up his old life. He's got more important things to live for uh, now. Him and me both. Huh? A wife struggling to contain her own addiction and a young daughter who needs them both. When threatened with losing his daughter, Mason falls into old habits through a string of desperate criminal acts whose repercussions quickly become deadly serious. 
My exposure to writer Ed Brisson is extremely limited. His current claim to fame is the image book Sheltered. I love Sheltered. Which I never got around to reading. And I have a vague memory of a book he did with Michael Walsh called Comeback. Oh, yeah. But I don't think I finished reading that series either. I did not. But I've always been curious about going back to check out what I missed. I heard a lot of buzz about Brisson's latest project, The Violent. So I decided to add it to this week's stack and see what it was all about. I ended up getting completely invested in Brisson's story about two broken people trying to make a life for themselves and the overwhelming burdens they face just trying to get by. Mason and Becky live a rough life. Mason is an ex-con trying to go straight for the sake of family. Becky is a drug addict one bad day away from falling hard off the wagon. Brisson is able to make both characters extremely sympathetic despite their flaws. You ache for them. As one thing goes wrong after another, Mason wants to be a good father, husband, and provider, but the lure of his old life is almost inescapable. The object of Becky's addiction is almost literally thrown in her face, and she's taken right up to the breaking point. Unlike many flawed fictional protagonists, the sad state of the world isn't solely to blame for their problems. These two are broken people with a warped perspective on how the world works and they make very bad decisions despite their intentions. But despite it all, your heart breaks for them and the situations they're in. Brisson's script is smart enough to know when to let Adam Gorham's art do the talking in these silent moments. You really get a sense for Mason and Becky's mindset. I'm not familiar with Gorham's work either. I didn't get around to reading Valiant's Dead Drop series, so as far as I know, this is the first time I've seen his work. I reviewed it, and I loved his art there. There you go. His style reminded me a little bit of Jeff Shaw. Yeah, definitely. Artist of Buzzkill and the Payback. Definitely. It's got sort of a baseline level of realism, but it's just exaggerated enough to be interesting to look at. No small feat considering the abundance of talking heads. And Gorham is great with body language and facial expressions. I went into this with little to no experience with the creators and I thought it was an excellent read. I know it sounds like feel bad, sad bastard comics, but Brisson and Gorham hooked me from the first page. And that last page cliffhanger has me dying to see what happens next. I'm giving the violent number one a huge buy it. I hated this when I read it. What? I hated it. What do you mean? I, here's what I'm saying. I hated it because I was yelling out loud at the characters. I was upset with what they were doing. Yeah. The decisions they were making. And, right. I, and then like in the middle of it, I realized that's because this is brilliantly written. This right. is real. And I feel like Ed Brisson may have had some type of experience with addiction just based on how well he wrote this. This is feel bad comic booking. And it is beautifully done it is very well written it is too real and i can't give this a bigger buy it so that's a double skim it for new romancer and a double buy it for the violent after you score these comics from your pusher be sure to woo us with your opinions over at the thm forum complete without a spin of the dreidel and here in the ziggurat we do it in style we've invited our friends red tornado 
in the Texas tornado two tornado-themed characters. That's right. For a high-speed dreidel spin-off that pits man against machine. That is meta. While we review 10 more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed. Wow. Go. Gwenpool Holiday Special from Marvel. Yeah, that's about the sound I made when I read it. <laughs> High dollar anthologies are always a mixed bag that goes double for holiday anthologies. And in the unfathomable Gwenpool. Can we just you, call her cash grab? Can we just call yeah. her that? <laughs> and you have a recipe for disaster. But thanks to some fun stories from the likes of God. Charles Soule, Gre- uh, Jerry Duggan, Langdon Foss, and others, this turned out to be much better than I expected. Ugh. But Gwenpool is still a stupid idea. And six bucks is a hefty price tag. So the Gwenpool Holiday Special gets a skip it. Unity number 25 from Valiant. This is the final all comedy issue of Unity that Joe and I talked about back in episode 223. And it turned out to be just as weird as I thought it would. Some of the gags worked. The first story with Quantum and Woody trying to sell lost stories to the Unity team to Hollywood was fantastic. Others, not so much. But the shtick worked way better than I thought it would. I'm giving it a skimmit. Scarlet Witch, number one from Marvel. Writer James Robinson clears the decks for Wanda Maximoff's solo adventures in this debut issue, setting up a mission statement free from the complicated backstory of her crazy past. I'm into the story of Wanda's quest to fix witchcraft. Air quotes, Periscope exclusive. The fart was practical. No, you know what? I'm keeping that in the show. Yeah. But <laughs> I really struggled with... Oh, man. I really struggled with the art by Vanessa Del Rey. I'm saying it was bad. It just did not work. I thought the whole thing looked too heavy, and the action was kind of muddled. Yeah. Didn't work. If Marvel can find a better artistic fit, then I'm on board. But for now, I'm giving Scarlet Witch a skim it. Snowblind, number one from Boom. Writer Ollie Masters gives us the story of a teenage questionably autistic boy living in Alaska with his family who's harboring a dark and secret past. The light washed out colors by Tyler Jenkins were beautiful and worked very well, but the story just never grabbed me. There's nothing wrong with the dialogue or even the plot, but it just never got me hooked. I can only give it a skim it. No Mercy, number five from Image. Alex DeCampi and Carla Speed McNeil kick off the second arc of No Mercy, which finds our survivors splitting up with brutally disastrous results. By the way, Carla Speed McNeil, kick-ass name. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I hope that's in quotes. I love it. <laughs> this is one of my favorite new image books of the year, and I'm glad it's still going strong. Pick up the bargain price to first trade and catch up with No Mercy now. It's a buy it. No Mercy is great. Massive, colon, Ninth Wave, number one from Dark Horse. This is the first standalone prequel story in a six-issue miniseries that sees Brian Wood returning to his Massive storyline. Here, we meet the crew of the Massive, the Ninth Wave, and we see them on their ecological activist missions before the environmental disaster that changed the world. Is the Ninth Wave the name of the boat they were actually on? No. The Ninth Wave. Because they were looking for the Massive. Yes. The Ninth Wave is the name of the group. Okay. They are like an eco-terrorist group. Got it. Gary Brown is wonderful on art. Wood's dialogue is smart and funny and cool, and his story is even smarter. I am thrilled to read more Massive. 
I cannot give this a bigger buy it. Humbug number one from 451 Media. I've talked a lot of about that company. <laughs> it's true. If you're Ebenezer Scrooge, what do you do with the rest of your life after a night of torment at the hands of the supernatural? Turn back into a bastard. Will you open an occult detective agency? Of course. Well, okay. Well, there's that too. This is a bonkers idea brought to life by writers AJ Gentile and David Forrest and artist Cosmo White. It's goofy as hell, but I couldn't help but enjoy myself reading it. I'm giving Humbug number one to buy it. All right. Okay. It was super weird. Fair enough. But I really enjoyed it. There we go. Insects. Number one from Aftershock. Hold on to your knickers, kids, because the Victorian softcore porn horror comic you've been waiting for is here. Marguerite Bennett writes with Ariella Christiana on art, and we get a story about an upper-class lady forced to marry a jerk, but she's secretly having an affair with her servant, a woman, who helps her to, who helps her to impregnate her husband with some kind of insect egg passed from mouth to mouth. This is Masterpiece Theater meets Creepshow. It's well-drawn, but fuck, it's weird. Insects is as high concept as comics come, with a terrible name, I might add, but I can only give it a skim it. This was full on porn. It's like <laughs> bugs that have sex, get it? Insects. No. Sex. There's no bugs having sex. It's all people mm. and weird bug stuff. Are they bug people? I don't know. Okay. Batman TMNT number one from IDW, the crossover you've all been waiting for. This is from DC slash IDW. Holy cats. This book was great. Seriously? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's the intercompany crossover in the classic mold. The TMNT, that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for those of you that don't know. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> have somehow become stranded in the DC universe along with Shredder and the Foot Clan. Drawing the attention of the Dark Knight, though I am not fond of his Batman stylistically, like the way he draws Batman literally. The art by Freddie Williams II is gorgeous, and James Tinian IV's story was a blast to read. Freddie Williams is a badass. I He's so good. It's not turning the art form on its head or anything, but Batman TMNT is just good, clean, fun. Buy it! Kingdom Bomb, number one from Danger Zone. That's a weird pun. I understand. The solicit described this comic as a Game of Thrones, as Game of Thrones starring homeless people. And oh, man. it wasn't far off. Writer Animalet takes us into the world of the homeless, ruled like a fiefdom, complete with corrupt rulers that send peasants out to beg for cigarettes and change. The art by John Reed reminded me of Sergio Aragones meets Kevin O'Neill and the, gave the book a completely original look. This is a great concept, excellent writing, and some of the coolest original art I have seen in a while. Kingdom Bum was a pleasant surprise and gets a gigantic buy it. I cannot wait to read more of this. Wow. It was so good. Shunk! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Shunk is the onomatopoeia of the week and the sound of a bum getting his thumb cut off by the rulers of the Axe Gang at they were scenes. Jerks. Kingdom Bumble number one. You may have heard us just talking about it. Every year, Joe and I set the table for the 
THN Sanctum Sanctorum for a massive Hanukkah feast with our favorite Jewish comic characters. Doc Samson is in the kitchen basting the brisket. Ben Grimm is frying up the latkes. Kitty Pride and Sabra are having a glass of Manischewitz with Adam Smasher and Colossal Boy. And Magneto should be here any moment with chocolate cake and donut holes. Joey, what do you say we work up an appetite with a little discussion of next week's comics? What are you excited for? My pick for next week is Weird World, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Sam Humphreys, with art by Mike Del Mundo. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's just a listen from the pages of Secret Wars, now in the all-new Marvel U. I forgot until the very last second that I was supposed to yell, which no, is why you, it sounded No, you did it. It was great. Yeah. Imagine being trapped in a world of sword and sorcery. With no sword and sorcery experience to speak of. That's me. This is the story of <laughs> Becca. It's about you. A girl stuck in Weird World with only one mission. Get home alive. Marvel's own twisted fantasy realm comes alive before your eyes. Barbarians, wizards, and tricked out sports cars. Okay, now let's just, for a moment, we reviewed Black Knight a couple of weeks ago. Oh, if- it sucks. It sucked. It sucked. Yeah, but it was bad. Wouldn't this be a great place for the Black Knight? Black Knight does take place in Weird World, but, but I mean, you wouldn't know it unless they explicitly right. stated it. But what I'm it. saying is, wouldn't this be perfect with, like, girl that's totally lost and displaced in Weird World, uh, and the Black Knight is also lost and displaced, and he's a hero, follow me, you know what I'm doing? And she's like, this is totally insane. Uh, this would be perfect. Uh, yeah. Weird World was, without a doubt... This isn't just the Busakin. The best Secret Wars tie-in. Yeah. No, it dis- was the best. I can't disagree. It was fantastic. This is not written by Jason Aaron, who wrote the Weird World miniseries. But I like Sam Humphreys. It is the same artist, Mike Del Mundo. Humphreys I is a total badass. I am excited for more Weird World. F*** the Black Knight. Weird World is where it's at. Thumbs up. I'm with you. My pick of the week is Judge Dredd, number one, from IDW, written by Ulysses Farinas, with art by Dan McDade. You may remember him from Vandroid, which we both loved. Dan McDade also drew a book, I think. I think he drew Jersey Gods. It is. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's a solicit. Mega City Zero, part one. Ushering in a brave new era, Judge Dredd awakens to find that Mega City One has been sent back to the Stone Age. No, no. With city blocks overgrown and nary a citizen to be found. Witness as Dredd struggles to unravel the mystery as he copes with being just an ordinary Joe. I I don't know what that's like for you. It's hard, man. I've never been there. It's very difficult. I will say, Ulysses Farinas did the Mega City 2 miniseries. The art, though. He, well, he wrote it, too. Did he? Yeah. It, I love you, Ulysses Farinas. It was wonderful. And I cannot wait to see this. I also need to say, every time that I have read a 2001 AD comic, I have loved it. I have absolutely But this is IDW. Lo- I know that. I know that. But what doing I, 2008. I'm just saying... I've never really delved into Judge Dredd. I've always been interested in the character. Back when I was a youngster, Anthrax put out uh, an album with I Am The Law and Wrap Judge Dredd really, with the I poster. Pee. And I love that he's finally getting an American series. I can't wait for this. This is going to be awesome. Totes. The THN trade of the week goes to Henchman. 
by Henchbot Trade Paperback. I love Henchmen. Uh, published by Robot Paper, written by Jameson Raymond, with art by Ryan Howe. It's 192 pages for $14.99. That doesn't get any cheaper. It might as well be free. Are you kidding me? Here's your solicit. When Gary Harrison responds to a mysterious classified ad, he is thrust into the subversive world of villainy versus valor. Experience a unique perspective as Gary and his colleagues deal with inane heroes, insane bosses, labor laws, and of course, robots. Collecting all six issues of Henchman I Henchbot and the Henchman One Shot Special. I can't tell you how much I love Henchman. This is like every issue of Henchman to date. It's so fantastic. It's very fun. I love Henchman. It's very fun. It really is great. Joey, that was delicious but this what was delicious is the eighth our hanukkah feast stay with me here okay Wait. but this is the eighth and final night of hanukkah which means it's time to open your big present yeah anyway whoa it's huge well come on go on open it While young Joey opens his present, why don't you head over to the THN forums? Let us know what you are excited to read next week. Holy shit, it's Leonard Nimoy! That's right, buddy. I snuck out in the DeLorean and kidnapped young Leonard Nimoy to tell us the Hanukkah story. Do me a favor and don't mention his untimely death. I don't, okay? know. I don't know if it was untimely. He was very old. The Hanukkah story, so marked by the image of flickering candles and dancing flames, has inspired songs. It's Askinner time where Matt and I reach deep into the virtual mailbag to answer one lucky listener's thought-provoking comic question. Buckle up. This week's question comes from Black Scorpion the Three. He's watching right now. You may remember him. He's responsible for everything great that's happened on this show. And it continues our series on superpowers discussion. BS the Three asks, Growing up, I thought of the power cosmic as some unexplained set of abilities granted to a select few space-based heroes i never learned what was included where it comes from or how it stacks up to other superpowers silver surfer had it but so did sue and johnny storm at one time or another is this just a galactus power that is bestowed and if so how did he get dibs on that let's start by defining what is the power cosmic? I don't want to know who has it. I don't want to know where it comes from. Let's just talk about what it is. Okay. So the power cosmic is the name of a particular source of cosmic power. Right. It's like a power set. It is a, a well, right. if you will, Okay. of cosmic power. It is primarily wielded by galactus okay who then bestows that power to his heralds let me ask you this do the other celestials they they also have this power galactus is not a celestial i thought he was an abandoned celestial they no, kicked him out galactus is not a celestial here is something off script for all of you galactus is the last survivor of the universe that existed 
prior to the Marvel Universe. That's right. I apologize. I knew that. He has that nothing to do with the Celestials. Right. He hates the Celestials. So Galactus is the controller, the wielder, the progenitor, whatever you want to call it, of the power cosmic. And he's the one that decides who gets it, how much of it they get. Silver Surfer, Terax, Fire Lord, Airwalker, Sea Ultimates number two this week for huge Galactus development. Oh, really? Huge. I love that book. Yeah, it's Ultimates so good. number one was awesome. It's very good. It was great. Prior to now, um, his whole deal is that he hungers. He is voracious. He right. needs energy. Right. And only the life energy of planets will do. And so he has in the past empowered certain individuals. Like I said earlier, Silver Surfer, Terax, Airwalker, Fire Lord, many others. Right. Nova. Not that Nova. A different Nova. Different Nova. With this force called the Power Cosmic. And with that power cosmic, they go out into the universe and find plans for him to consume. Sort of break it down like this. does not take the power cosmic back from them when they decide they're done yeah. being heralds of Galactus uh, is something that I cannot answer. Well, it might be a one-way street. You know, like I can give it to you, but I can't take it away. But if he's the dude that controls the power cosmic, why can't he but take it away? Maybe he doesn't necessarily control it. Maybe he can only bestow it. Anyways, we don't know. Let me ask you this. Let, let's get into it. So we know that Galactus is the only guy that can hand it out. Far as we know, had no one. We've never seen anyone else hand it out. Correct. I, I think that when you refer to the cosmic, uh, <laughs> wow. I think that when you refer to the power cosmic, you are specifically referring to the energy and being of Galactus. Okay. So it's like a part of him. Kind of, yeah. He's I, that's how on. I would look at it. Yeah, okay. that's how I would. So look. let's talk about for a moment. We all know that Spider-Man became Captain Universe for a while, where he had the power of the universe, but that was not the power cosmic. The uh, the Captain Universe power is a different force. It's called the Enigma Force. Okay, it not is not the power. It cosmic. is specifically not the power cosmic. It's a different cosmic force. Okay, that the the Captain Universe uh, power, the the Enigma Force, is a cosmic source of energy that chooses people. In certain moments of dire straits, to right wrongs, to protect people, to um, to, to do whatever, to solve problems. Okay. Um, it is not the power cosmic. The Enigma Force is not the power cosmic. Okay, Captain Marvel, the Negabands. I don't think the Negabands have anything to do with the power cosmic. I think they're Cree in origin. They're Cree? I don't really know. I didn't look that up. All right, time out. I didn't look that. Okay, so the Negabands, created by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane, were a product of a time where Captain Marvel was shunted to the negative zone by the Supreme Intelligence. He shared, he shared physical space with Rick Jones, well, the, the Earthman. The Kree Supreme Intelligence shunted him to the negative zone. The only way Marvell can temporarily escape is to exchange atoms with Rick Jones by means of special wristbands called the Negabands. So all the Negabands did was allow Captain Marvel to come back. They didn't... Well, I think they may have had other kind of energy-focusing No, abilities. no. They clapped them together, and boom, they changed spots. And Captain Marvel was able to exist in the universe as opposed to being shunted to the negative zone. That's it. And Captain Marvel didn't have any extra powers because of them. All they did was allow them to switch places. What does the power cosmic allow you to do? Oh, so much. 
such as it is only a portion of the power that Galactus himself controls and possesses. Right. So imagine how powerful he must be. Right. If you can do things like fly, absorb and discharge massive amounts of energy, live in outer space, live in outer space without protection, right? Fly in the vacuum of space, not have to breathe, uh, invulnerable to most harm. Sometimes, in some cases, cosmic awareness, which means you know everything that's happening yeah, all the time. You also have like a very psychic sense of how the universe works. Molecular rearrangement. Okay. That's like godlike that's almost. Insane. Teleportation. Uh, even when we're talking about teleporting matter from entire galaxies across time and space, the creation of force fields. Interdimensional portals, telepathy, telekinesis, bunkers. So, like, in a sense, anything. Everything. <laughs> the, the power cosmic is an anything power. It is the sort of ability that a writer says, you know what? This character has power cosmic because they need to be able to have that character do anything they want right. whenever they need it so to. So, we can agree it can be whatever it needs to be. Based on the, the person the who was writing it at the time. Totes. There you go. So, so it is not well defined. So the Heralds of Galactus. Here's a fun fact that I uh, learned researching this question on behalf of Black Scorpion. During Annihilation, the power cosmic is revealed to be a force that replaces the auras or souls of the characters in question, which means it's different for everybody. That's why everyone's different. That's why Silver Surfer is the way he is. That's why Fire Lord is all fiery. Right, that's why Terax carries a weapon. And uh, controls the earth. Right. So it's based on their particular essences or auras or souls or whatever or like you want to call it. Whoever they were when they were exposed to it, basically. And I think this is that's an awesome idea. Yeah. But that also means that if they are stripped of the power cosmic, they have no souls. Yeah. But it also means there's no rules. <laughs> no rules. <laughs> no rules. <laughs> so the the Silver Surfer has used the power cosmic to do completely bonkers things. Yeah. Like um, absorbing energy and uh, absorbing and time. tapping ambient cosmic energy at will. A violent explosion of that energy, which means just energy blasts, generic energy blasts. Um, like eating too many lentils. Like know. eating too many lentils. Uh, enough Burn. energy. Enough energy channeling to destroy an entire planet. That is crazy powerful. Damn. He can also use it with enough finesse to restructure molecules as as he desires. So much so that he can change the natural dyes within a plant. Dude to can change its color. Dude can do whatever he wants. Basically, he can turn steel into gold uh he can teleport he can travel through time but the one thing we all agree on he can't with galactus he no because galactus has only given him the smallest sliver of that right. power and it's super powerful like we saw dr doom like dr doom got the power cosmic for a little bit there and freaked out and was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can yeah, see yeah, everything. Yeah. I can feel everything. And like, did not know what to do. Like, Sometimes they have cosmic awareness, which means they know everything that's happening right. at any, any given time. But he got hit too with it, much. And he didn't even know what to do. He didn't know where to start. Yeah. And part of it is, it's like, you have to be someone who's ready to accept that. So basically, the power cosmic is a god power that lets the writers 
Um, do whatever they need to do. Do whatever they need to do with a given character. <laughs> Typically, it's reserved for the Heralds of Galactus. This is true. But Galactus divvies it out however he sees fit. Sometimes these Heralds are allowed to bestow portions of their power unto others. Yeah, we've seen that as well. Which is where you get things like Susan Storm and Johnny yeah. Storm uh, getting this power. Uh, so, yeah, Power Cosmic, yeah, it's this Deus Ex Machina. It is messy. It's messy. There are no real rules. It's messy to say the least. To say the least. Yeah. So there is no real solid answer, but I do feel like we kind of laid it down. We did our best to define the undefinable. So Black Scorpion, we did a lot of talking about the power cosmic. I don't know how much of it Matt is going to edit into a coherent uh, explanation. Well, we're at an hour and 20, so a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully we uh, said some things that meant something to you about the power cosmic. If you have a question for Ask a Nerd and or the comic pushers, traditionally a reading suggestion on the drunk show. I rap. I did not rap this year. That I apologize. True. That is true. But nobody contacted us. Uh, comic pushers where you come to find out i want to read more comics i'm into this this and this you email us you tweet at us you do whatever and say i want to read some comics and we suggest comics for you yes uh if there is no if there are no suggestions there is no segment which means no comic pushers request exactly no rapping exactly if you want to hear joe patrick rapping and today would have been a great day for it. You missed out. Or a terrible day, depending how you look at it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you have suggestions for either Ask a Nerd or Comic Pushers, go to the THN web forums, post that sh- or send an email to twoeditnerd at gmail.com. Uh, but it's better if you post it. It's better if you post it. It works if either you way. Email, that's fine. But uh, trust me, go to the forums. The forums are awesome. The forums are so great. And you are going to see so many great discussions from yes. these guys, yes. including Black Scorpion. Hey. Right Sorry, now. we're being interrupted. It's, it's Casey. It's a song, but it's in love, actually, when Andrew Lincoln, a.k.a. Rick Grimes. Rick Grimes. Freaks the f*** out because he's in love with Kira Knightley, and she discovers it, and he goes, Ugh, on the street. And some Is it called Dildo? Dido. Oh, Dido. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Dildo, it's Dido. Point being, point being, this is where he freaks out in love, actually. But you know what that means? All right, all right, all right. This is the bottom line. THN forums, post your request, comic pushers, ask a nerd. There are no segments unless you request something. We need to know what you want to talk about. We need to know what you need suggestions for. I like to rap. To read. What you want suggestions to read. I would not admit this to anybody unless I was super hammered. Right. I kind of like to rap. He's a rapping machine. And I'm very sad that I haven't gotten to rap. It's true. Which means I need you to go to the THN Will Forums and suggest something for the comic push. Tell us what you're into. So that I can rap for you. Tell us what you like. You can also send an email. If you send an email, that works too. To editnerd at gmail.com. To editnerd at gmail.com. The end. The end! Sort of break it down like this. And that is it for the annual THN Hanukkah Drunk Show. If you dig podcasts that may or may not know how to celebrate Hanukkah, or even when it actually happens each year, you can subscribe to is this show. Is it the ninth day? Is it the eighth day? Only Aaron Myers knows for sure. I'm being told it's seven. <laughs> you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you're there, leave us your star ratings, reviews, thumbs up, or hearts. 
because it absolutely helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Yeah. Please, you guys, you, you don't even know how important it is. Thank you to all of our donors, especially our latest donor, John Barton. That f- guy. Are you serious? What a dude. Oh, my God. You help keep this blasphemous celebration of nerdum become a goddamn holiday tradition. It's true. It's true. <laughs> if you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at twittednerd.com to become a sustaining member. It's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation monthly box, and as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you want to sponsor THN, holy sh- why wouldn't you want to? Seriously. Do you have, um, like, where, where are you, Dick? Someone, if you have someone out there oh, owns a company. Do you want a, do you have a business? Do you have a comic you want to promote? Why wouldn't you want us to talk about Are you comic? even mildly successful in your life? <laughs> Shoot us an email with a subject line sponsorship. This works for other podcasts as well. If you have That's a true. podcast you want to promote. Yeah. We have very reasonable rates. Yeah, we have like at least like three, five, maybe ten listeners. If you want to <laughs> yell at us personally, head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com. There you can find links to all of our contact info via Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, where we post the outtake of the week. And there's going to be a real good one this week, let me tell you. <laughs> Skype and the Ziggurat Hotline, it is the most important phone number you need to remember. It is 402-819-4894. Call us. Say whatever you want. Threaten our lives. You know what? Talk to me. Anthony from Brooklyn called us last week just to say hello. That's I really so appreciate it. Sweet man, I love it. You know what? I didn't kill myself that day just because he called. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify using the Spotify profile of one Matt Bomb. Just search for his name. That's true. You'll find it. And these jerks are getting paid for the music we play, so try and sue us. I dare you. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to YouTube Sensation, DC All Access host. I don't know how the hell that happened because we should totally be there. And friend of THN, Jason Inman, who started a comic drive with the goal of sending 10,000 comics to soldiers overseas by January 1st. You gotta be kidding me. That is heartwarming. Yeah, man. He's the real deal. Word to you, Jason. We miss hearing you and your partner in crime, Princess Ashley, who doesn't give a about us anymore in the ziggurat. We'll have a link to the details about the comic drive in the show notes. Get off your butts and send the troops some f***ing comics, man. If anyone needs to escape their daily lives, it's these guys. It's the troops. Seriously. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just deliver a warm, steaming present to your doorstep this holiday season. This is the Two-Headed Nerd wishing a happy Hanukkah to all and to all!